Well, good evening. How are you? Good. All right. We're happy to be here. Uh, thank you very much for the intro. My name is Tarika, Tarika Gunarathna, and I am a consultant psychiatrist for children and adolescents. What that means is that I decided to become a doctor, and I pursued that route, and then I became a doctor of the mind. I treat people with, with medicines and for their mind, and then I subspecialize in the treatment of young people, so under 18s. And the reason that I'm here for the next 15 minutes is to lay a bit of a general foundation around things, uh, social media, young people, and mental health. A foundation that I hope will provide some kind of platform for my colleague, uh, Dr. Johnson, to speak more specifically about eating disorders. Now, I have to say, just to begin with, that I'm not a social media expert. I think being an expert of social media must be a very, very difficult um, title to achieve because social media is never really the same today as it will be tomorrow and the day after and the day after because actually it's not a static entity. It's always dynamic, isn't it? The way that technology is evolving um, at such a rate just baffles us. And I think what's relevant to all of us here is that it has some kind of impact either on our own lives directly or on those that we know, particularly young people. How many in the room have some kind of sense that actually social media may be a bit of a public or political concern when it comes to mental health? Just by way of show of hands, how many of us think that? Okay, so pretty much the whole room think that this is an applicable topic to think about. So, um, one of the things I just want to do is just have a look at some of the conversations around some of the, the negative effects that social media has on mental health with young people, but also the, the positive effects. And the reason that we're going to do this in a balanced way is because that's life. You know, people often ask me, Dr. Gunnarathna, you know, is social media bad for young people? You know, is it bad for mental health? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And really, I don't think you can dichotomize it. If you think about it, you could ask the same question with paracetamol. Is paracetamol a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you can use it and it could be a good thing, but you could misuse it and it could be a bad thing. A medicine in misuse can become a poison. And the same goes with social media. It's not really the question about whether it's good or bad. I think that's a flawed question. I think the question really is, what would be a good use of social media? What would be a bad use of social media? Does that make sense? Okay, right. So I came across this document here. Um, it's uh, from the Center of Mental Health. It's a briefing, number 53, if you're taking notes. Social media, young people, and mental health. What it does is it, 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 ring, it rings up, basically, um, a, a raft of evidence and research out there on all things social media, uh, young people, and mental health. And it addresses the issue both in the negative effects and the positive effects. I read through it, and I thought, actually, some of these are quite relevant, pertinent, and interesting. So I thought I'd maybe just share them with you to uh, stimulate some conversation later on. Number one. Okay. One of the negative effects of social media recognized, potentially, is addiction. Addiction. Okay. That thing that happens to us when we become hooked on something and we start to lose all voluntary control over our behaviors, over our intentions, our decisions and actions. Um, what has been recognized is that social media, when we, when we use it or overuse it, can... Uh, drive us to the point where we uh, have a sense of dependence on it, where we need to check, and then check again, and then just check again, 
and check and check and check and check and check. Okay, so people recognize that as an urge to, 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 to check posts. Um, also, we have notifications that pop off. Um, and actually, when we check social media, it's a bit of a gamble. Sometimes you have a good result when you check. Maybe someone likes you. Maybe someone has said something nice about you or has made you laugh. But sometimes you can have something that makes you annoyed, makes you down, sad, depressed. It's a bit of a gamble. But we know, don't we, that when there's uncertainty in the mix, that can sometimes increase our drive to engage with that behavior. It reinforces our behaviors. Well, why is addiction a problem in young people? Well. Um, common sense stuff, really. If you're always on your phone, then you're not doing other things. What are the other things? For young people, it might just be connecting with the real world. I was speaking to a colleague of mine today who's a nurse in under-18 psychiatry, and she said that social media um, is, 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 is seen as an escape from the real world. But because social media is so trending, the real world now is perceived as an escape from social media. Okay, um, so we can we can be addicted to to to, to being in this in, in this virtual world, um, which means that um, we don't feel so good when we are not checking. Um, you may have heard of the acronym FOMO. This is the phenomenon fear of missing out, um, and that actually we alleviate the anxiety in us when we fear that we are missing out by checking and checking and checking again. Another issue or negative effect of recurrent checking, of course, is not going to bed on time. And that's really important with young people because sleep, as it is for young people and um, adults, is one of the strongest drivers for mental well-being. Sleep is. And we all know, don't we, that when we sleep well, we're better through the day. And when we don't, we're grouchy, we're irritable. And sometimes we're a bit more vulnerable to physical illness, to um, um, picking up a cold, etc., etc. There's lots of good regenerative power of powers of sleep on our physical body and also on our uh, mental well-being, on our memory consolidation, etc., etc. Why is that important for young people? Well, young people have an educational life, don't they? And what they do with their educational life often, not always, but often, becomes um, a, 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 a trajectory that they set for the rest of their life with their careers and how they socially develop, etc., etc. So there's an issue. Another um, um, issue that has come up is the issue of um, comparison. And that when we are checking social media, we're actually looking at the lives of other people and the desirability of other lives. And then that makes me feel uh, my inadequacies or my perceived inadequacies. And so that has a negative effect on how I feel. How might that affect me? Well, it might affect me my uh, my self-esteem, my confidence, my ability to be happy with who I am as a person, um, and how I look. Um, I'll leave this more to uh, Dr. Johnston. She may speak a bit more about image, but image obviously is an issue um, when um, actually all you have to make a judgment about somebody is a photograph. And um, uh, we know that comparison can be healthy for competition, but we also know that comparison kills. Um, and so that there is something um, in that to be aware of when we are viewing the life of the Joneses through social media. A few other things that are related to this. Jealousy. Why isn't my life like theirs? It's not fair. Envy. These can all be very, very powerful negative emotions that can affect our mental health in a negative way, i.e. depression, anxiety, social withdrawal. Um, and of course, cyberbullying. A lot of have heard of cyberbullying. 
I was interested to find out that cyberbullying may not be as prevalent as we think, but where it is prevalent, it's an issue. Uh, some of the studies have shown that cyberbullying is still a minority activity compared to traditional forms of bullying. Um, some studies have shown that this is, you know, um, uh, of 100,000 young people, 1% report that they've been cyberbullied, but a third report that they've been bullied in a traditional way. But what can be done online now can be, you know, um, without uh, creative limit now. Uh, photographs can be manipulated, faces can be spliced on other bodies, the list goes on and on and on. And if you were a victim of cyberbullying, it can be very, very damaging indeed for that young person's life. And we see these kinds of people in our clinics. But, 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 but. We have to be balanced about this. Remember, social media is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's how we use social media that determines whether it's good or bad, healthy or unhealthy for our mental health. In terms of the positive effects of social media, very well-recognized effect is that it helps us create social relationships. Now, I know that it, for many of us in the room today, it may not feel like real social relationships, but nonetheless, Social media does involve connecting with other human beings in a particular way, albeit not necessarily face-to-face -face or offline, as it's called, but in a way, maybe through a tweet, maybe through a text, maybe through a picture, a video, and the list goes on. So increasing social real estate or constructing social real estate is a positive benefit of social media. If you think about it now, many of you are Skyping your children or your grandchildren across the other side of the world. We couldn't do that 30 years ago. These are definitely benefits. Another um, perceived benefit of social media is that we now have greater access to care and are able to receive education, information, and even therapy when without this platform or uh, ability to connect online, um, you may be on a waiting list or not getting the help that you need anyway because actually it's a scary thing to ask for help. So now we have online therapists. We have online communities where you can be um, an anonymous um, online user of a platform sharing stories and sharing honest um, insights into your predicament with other people that are suffering in a similar way. Um, we know that now um, this is perhaps a proponent of what we call realistic medicine. Here in NHS Grampian, hopefully by 2025, is my understanding, we would have more of a realistic medicine culture, meaning that those that need help get help when they, can, when they need it, where they need it, and instead of having to go to hospital, can have direct access or access through non-hospital routes where possible. Would that be a good thing? Yeah, I think it could be. Um, and this, again, is yet a, a, another potential positive use of social media. So, I have just highlighted a few potential positive and negative effects of social media on the emotional and mental well-being of young people. By no means have I been completely exhaustive. This is only a 15-minute slot and just something to whet your appetite and stimulate discussion for later on. Um, in summary, what this report found was that the arguments for and against or um, pro-mental health or anti-mental health are mixed. And there is no clear definitive yet, no clear definitive on the hours that you must be spending on and offline, or the types of social media that you must or must not be using. 
that is up for debate, it's up for conversation. So I hope this has been of some use to you and look forward to discussing this more in uh, the time for open forum chat. Okay, thank you. So thank you, Tarika. That was a, a really helpful introduction. And I think, um, I think you've really highlighted a lot of the things that I'm hoping we'll be able to, to sort of speak about in a more specialised way, um, thinking about eating disorders. So, um, introduction to me. I'm Louise Johnston. I'm a consultant in the Eden unit, which is um, a 10-bed um, unit, um, inpatient unit up at Cornhill Hospital. Um, in Aberdeen, we cover um, Grampian, we also cover Highland and Tayside, um, so we have quite a wide catchment area. So it's quite specialised and we do, um, we do get some very unwell patients coming through our doors. Um, and I think before that I worked in outpatients as well and, and I have worked in, in CAMS. So um, as well, like Tarika, what I would say is I'm not an expert in social media either. Um, I would say I'm, I'm very interested in in how social media impacts on our lives, partly because I'm a parent and I think, um, you know, parents, I think generally, you speak to people in the school gates and everybody is concerned, interested um, and trying to think, you know, how can we support young people to use social media in a helpful way and not in a way that's going to impact negatively on their health. And I think, Tarika, you've just kind of hit the nail on the head there that, you know, this is something that's here to stay perhaps not in its current form, but it is with us. And I think, for me, we can't, we can't just stop using it. We can't just ban it. We can't say, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. We have to use it and embrace it in a way that is healthy. So I guess that's the standpoint that I'm coming at it from. Um, also, I'm very interested in the effects that it has on my patients. Um, and I think... Um, you know, one of the things that I'm going to talk a little bit about is what we do in the unit to try and support our patients, to try and help them using social media. Um, so I guess for those of you who, who maybe don't, don't know um, or don't have a, a you know, knowledge of, of eating disorders, what I'm talking about when I speak about eating disorders are um, anorexia nervosa, um, which is primarily a weight losing, um, intake restricting and exercise disorder. Um, and bulimia nervosa, which is more around um, periods of overeating and then compensation um, with, for example, um, purging, vomiting, using laxatives. Um, they're disorders that really are quite crippling and very disabling and can be life-threatening. There is a significant mortality, mortality involved. So, you know, we're talking about illnesses that are very, very serious. Um, there obviously is a spectrum and there are um, less, the less severe end of the spectrum as well. Um, and obviously the, the reason that I think social media has become such an issue in terms of eating disorders is because one of the core features of these illnesses um, is about body image. Um, Obviously today, my, the, the scope of this, I'm not going to be talking to you too much about the pathology involved in eating disorders, um, but one of the core features is around body image. And as Sarika um, alluded to, one of the things that obviously social media impacts on is body image. And the, the, where we're at with research in terms of eating disorders, now I think, you know, there, isn't, there, there aren't studies that say, you know, social media is bad for eating disorders or social media causes eating disorders. That is not the case. Eating disorders are complex. The, the etiology is very complex. There are a number of factors, genetic factors, social factors, um, neurological factors that, that are all involved in 
causation of eating disorders, and we don't fully understand that. So we can't say it's, it's all because of the media or it's all because of social media. What we do know is that um, the media, social media, has an impact on body image. We know that um, spending time on Facebook, for example, comparing yourself to other people, looking at images that have been photoshopped or you know, digitally enhanced, affects how you feel about your, yourself and your self-image. Um, and so obviously that is the area of concern. Anorexia has been around since the 8th century, so we're not talking about an illness that has been caused by um, you know, glossy magazines or um, social media. Um, but I think we live in the modern age, and obviously these kind of technologies have a, have a big role to play. So I guess where, where I'm coming at this from is I'm, I'm a relatively new um, consultant to the unit. I, I took up post in October. Um, before that, I'd worked in outpatients. And the unit, um, I have worked in the unit before, and it, I'm very proud to work there. It's an excellent unit where um, really very, very difficult work is done and very um, skilled staff. Um, and, you know, before I arrived there, um, there'd been some work done around Facebook and around social media. Um, and I think also some of the staff, um, some of whom were here today, had noticed that um, social media was becoming an increasing problem. Patients were coming in with their phones and checking their, their social media profiles. And that was, was causing them distress. Um, you, know, you may have heard of, of pro-anorexia websites. There are websites that, that encourage um, body image checking and things. And, and that can be really difficult. So I guess the staff in the unit thought, well... What can we do to try and help people with that? How can we manage that? Um, there was some research done by a, um, a, a researcher who, who, who was visiting the unit who um, looked at different centres in the UK and compared Facebook use. Um, and that really, I think, stimulated um, the debate and, and some, some action points from that. Um, so there were a few things that the, that the staff did. One of them was... Um, they tried to come up with a, a draft policy on what can we do you know, to help people. Um, there was the um, discussion within the unit with the patients involving them in you know, what, what help would they like. Um, and also um, coming up with a, a, a social media group. So essentially what, what happens um, with, with the patients is that they, when they come into hospital, obviously we, we can't take away their phones and tablets and things. So that would, couldn't just you know remove them um, but we can ask patients to voluntarily either surrender them or give them to family members leave them at home and we ask patients to do that there are occasions for patients who are detained under the mental health act um, and and that again is a is, is another a debate for another day but th there are patients who um if we feel they're particularly at risk from using um devices um, we can take them away um, against the patient's wishes, and that's all done in a very strict legal framework. Um, so essentially what we're looking for when patients come in is we would ideally like them to surrender their devices so that they're not tempted. Because th the way I, I think is helpful to think about eating disorders, particularly anorexia, is they're much more like um, OCD, obsessional compulsive disorder, in that when you have an eating disorder, it's, it's all about the weight losing behaviours, it's all about, it's all consuming, it's completely, when Tarika was talking about addiction, it is a bit like that, that becomes your main focus in life. And so, you know, anything like, for example, a, um, you know, a, a social media post about your friend who's gone out to a birthday party, all the anorexic 
thinking will allow you to do is to compare yourself to that picture and think, I'm not as thin or as beautiful or as, you know, attractive as, as that person is in that photograph. And it's often a really distorted view as well. So, so what, we, what we do is we, we try and encourage patients to, get, to give up their devices when they come in. They get a range of therapies, again, which I won't go into just now. But um, as part of that, what we're trying to do is we're, we're obviously trying to treat the illness, which is the most important thing. Um, make sure from a physical point of view, a psychological point of view, people are as well as they can be. And then as, as they become a little bit more able to, to think and to um, consider discharge and to consider what their life might be like, um, and to, to support their recovery in lots of ways, not just thinking about social media. But we, um, the, the, the staff in the unit started running a group, a social media group, um, which involved um, a number of sessions um, which the patients would, would attend together, obviously, um, supporting each other. Um, and thinking about, you know, social media, what, what role does it play in your life? And I think, you know, the one thing that I, that I have in my mind is how can we make this, which is a part of everyday life, how can we make this a positive part? How can we take back that control and make this into something that's helpful? Um, and I, the phrase that I've come across in my reading has been about curating a social media profile that works for you, not the other way around. So if patients are really keen to stay on social media and really keen to use it, then how can they um, develop ways of using it to help themselves? And I guess, um, so part of the group is, is around um, devising what, what the, the staff have called a social media action plan. And that is around, um, you know, identifying what you do currently and then how can you change that to make it healthier and more focused on recovery than focused on illness. Um, and so we, and I say we because obviously having joined the team, um, I think I've kind of hopefully joined in with this and tried to make this part of, part of our overall package that um, the patients can then go on to, to be discharged and we can continue to support them. What we're looking at is things like, obviously there's the social media apps such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, those kind of things. There's also the fitness tracking apps, which are a big problem um, for some of our patients. Um, so we try and obviously in include all of that. Um, the other, the other um, sort of area that Tarika touched on is around therapy and around using social media for therapy. Um, and I know there are programmes in the country that use social media platforms that they have devised as a sort of online therapy group. Um, and I, you know, I think they're not particularly widely used, but there are, there are examples throughout the country where that is, a, that is a, a, an interesting development. There's also apps that can be used that um, I know my outpatient colleagues will recommend to patients. Um, there's one called Rise Up, which is, a, um, is designed to help patients to um, keep track of their, their meals in a helpful way. And they can then submit those meal plans to um, food diaries to their therapist. And the therapist can then use that to work with the patient. And they provide a bit of support and um, through, through this kind of on, um, app that they can use on their phone or their tablet. And I think, so it's th things like that which are a positive use of, of social media that can be incorporated into the existing treatment pathway that patients will have. I think those are the, the kind of steps that I'd like to see going forward. Um, I think that's probably the main kind of gist of what I was, what I was hoping to say. Um, I think 
you know, one of the apps, one of the um, websites that I found that was quite helpful um, when I was looking was a um, young health movement. Um, this is a Royal Society for Public Health um, document which is available online looking at social media and young people. Again, this is a more general one, but some of the points that they were, they had a sort of, a bit like the one that Tarika was talking about, a kind of points at the end of things, developments that they thought. And there were, I thought, some quite good ideas. Um, Things like pop-up heavy use warnings on social media platforms that could be devised so that young people are aware of how long they were spending. Um, and alongside that, indicators on photographs particularly to show that they've been digitally manipulated. Now, I'm not technically expert either, so I can't tell you how reliable or helpful that would be, but to me it seems intuitively quite good sense that, you know, if there was a little watermark that could pop up on your photograph to show that this actually has been manipulated, um, I think that might be quite helpful. Um, some of the, the materials that my colleagues looked at when they were doing their um, their, their work around the group, um, they, they showed patients in the unit pictures, photographs, to show the differences between um, photoshopped and non-photoshopped pictures and it really is quite remarkable how how much you can um, alter your appearance. So I think having some kind of sense that you know that has been manipulated, that person does not look like that when they get out of bed in the morning, um, you know I think that would be really useful. Um, things like um, that there are Ways of, you know, I'm, for those of you who are on social media, I don't know if you've experienced that phenomenon where you've been scrolling through and you get an advert for something that you'd just been looking at the day previously um, somewhere else and you think that's a bit spooky, how did that happen? And there is, technical people tell me there are ways of targeting advertising to your profile. And I think that's, I find it irritating, but I also think it can be damaging and wouldn't it be helpful if you could have ways of targeting help? So, for example, for people who seem to be looking at a lot of pro-anorexia websites or, um, you know, clicking on links and, and making comments involving certain keywords, perhaps signposting to, to sources of help might be a possibility. And that's certainly something that the, the authors of this report had wondered about. I mean, there's, there's lots of other things, and, and, and we'll stop in a minute because I think it, the important thing here is for us to have a debate. But, um, you know, thinking about standard setting as well, you know, there's a lot of blogs, and I, I know we've covered a lot of different types of social media. I haven't really touched on blogs, but certainly in terms of eating disorder, there are a lot of thinspiration, um, bonespiration, pro-ana, all these terms um, that get used to describe these blogs that people have written. Um, healthy eating is everywhere. You know, you can, um, we're, we're all aware of veganuary, you know, people suggesting that um, we, you know, we alter the way we eat. Now, some of those are very good, useful, helpful websites. Some of them definitely drift into being quite unhelpful and giving dangerous advice to people with regards to diet. And there's not an awful lot of um, information or uh, there's not really an easy way of checking how accurate that information or advice is. Um, and I know my dietetic colleagues in the unit are very expert and they really, um, you know, it would be very helpful to have their stamp on, you know, what, what, is a, what is a website that I would want my teenage daughter to be looking at um, and what is something that I think could be actually very dangerous. And so the, the, the authors of this report were also suggesting some kind of um, stamp of approval on some on food websites and things. But I think, you know, we're, we're away from that. We're away, away from that being a possibility. There's a lot of, um, 
you know, there's a lot of research, training, um, technical development that needs to happen before we get to that point. Um, and I think probably that kind of leads me on to my kind of closing point, which is that, you know, Tarek and I both stood up here. We're both working with young people. We're both working with people with mental health problems. And we've both said we're not expert in this. Um, and so I think we probably need to get more expert. We probably need more training. And I think that applies to you know, mental health professionals, health professionals, you know, I know when I was a medical student, um, we, we didn't have, you know, I'm not going to give the kind of hundreds of years ago, it was we all had to write with a pen and we never had any kind of computers. But the reality is things have changed and we have to change with them or we're going to get left behind and our patients are going to get a worse deal because of it. So I guess that would be my stance. I think being positive and proactive is you know, the way forward, but with a, a, a really healthy amount of caution and um, concern and, you know, just check the facts and, and, and look at, try and make things better. So, thank you.